0: An actual play, solo RPG podcast, with me, Carl White. I will be your narrator, your game master, and your guide, as we follow our heroes on their journey into the unknown. For this game, I will be using the Shadow Dark rule set, along with a variety of other systems, tools, and tables as they take my fancy. A word of warning. The following scenes will contain disturbing imagery, ghastly horror, and lots of swearing, screaming, and murder. Listeners of a delicate disposition, I beg you, turn away now. Once you descend into the shadow dark, there is no turning back. Welcome, intrepid adventurer, to this, the second Lone Adventurer Shadow Dark special edition episode. We will be delving once more into the sewer of lost souls, pitting feeble adventurers against the horrors that lurk beneath the city, and we'll be doing it with the draft Solo Dark rules provided by Kelsey Dion, creator of Shadow Dark. I liked the way that by four-question model, who what, why and how helped to set the stage for my first party, and so I think I'll stick with that approach for subsequent games. For my second outing, I'll also stick with my previous supporting tools, Maze Rats and Perilous Wilds, as well as randomly rolling up two new characters on the Shadow Darklings character generator site. Please say hello to Lebrun, a wild-eyed, filed-toothed terror warlock of the Willow Man, who has been granted superhuman strength by his dread patron. His randomly determined motivation is to serve evil. Well, of course it is. Ines is an elven grave warden. Hooded, scythe-wielding, heavy eyeliner, black nail varnish, undead minions, the whole nine yards. Her motivation is to found a faction, a dark cult. A delightful pair, I'm sure you'll agree. LeBron, by the way, is an absolute powerhouse of a character. In straight 3d6 rolls, he is off the charts. I rolled a natural 17 on the dice for strength, and he got a plus 2 from his patron, giving him 19 strength. And as if that were not enough, he then got dexterity 13, constitution 13, intelligence 14, wisdom 16 and Charisma 12. By far the best stats I've ever seen come out of Shadow Darklings. Just a shame he's such an evil git. Each party member gets one luck token. I didn't use any of the optional play modes for my first solo playthrough, but for this next one I think I'll introduce a couple of house rules and elements of pulp mode from the Shadow Dark book. So we'll have maximum hit points at level 1, I'll roll a Darkness D6 each round, and on a 1, I'm going to switch to a D4, and if I roll a 1 on the D4, the torch will go out. I'll go with Alternating Initiative. Luck Tokens will allow me to seize the initiative, so I can spend a Luck Token to go first in the initiative order, even if I fail. It will allow Lucky Crit, which is going to turn a Normal Hit into a Critical Hit at the spend of a token And lucky action, which will grant me an additional action if I spend a token. A natural one on a d20, either in combat or on the oracle, will grant a luck token. Okay, that's the ground rules set. Time to set the stage. Who set my characters on their path? According to Mazerat's, it's Reinhold Nibs, an innkeeper and also the leader of a crime family. This has to be the owner of the Red Al Tavern, ally to Orlan Bobic and rival to Bianca Lamarck. The plot thickens. What did Nibs hire these two rays of sunshine for? Shadow Dark Adventure Generator says, Steal Thief in the Musty Tomb. It sounds like they need to retrieve something in a sneaky manner. Why? The answer, locate NPC. And some more random rolls give me a taxidermist by the magnificent name of Stilton Carvolo. OK, Stiltons the something they need to retrieve. And how? Well, rather than roll for this, I think I know the answer already. The how has to lie in heading back down into the sewers via the hidden passage in Nibs Inn. OK, I think I see how all these threads will stitch together. Away we go. shame. The big elf would have made a finer thrall by far, but he appears to have been mostly melted. Some sort of ooze, perhaps. I nudge at the corpse with my black calfskin boot. I suppose I'll have to make do with this scrawny one instead, drained by leeches and some time ago by the look of it. Lebrun shrugs, baring those ridiculous filed teeth at me. Pathetic. The length some people will go to, to make an impression. I touch the tip of Mordus, my dread scythe, to the body of the exsanguinated adventurer at my feet. And dark power floods through me. I am wreathed in purple and black necrotic energy that flows down through my side and into the corpse. It twitches and stirs. Sweet. I will stand at the head of an army of undead An unstoppable horde bent to my immutable will alone And all shall cower before me You got that look again? The brin sniffs, eyeing me warily be How we part of megalomania, and just stick to the plan, yeah? The plan? Yes, much as it galls me We do have an immediate task to focus upon the mission assigned to us by that fool, Nibs, current leader of the Port Town Dogs. Though not for long, once my own devious stratagems come to fruition. You're doing it again, Innis. Look, we're being paid to do a job. So let's just find this corpse stuffer, grab him, and get the hell out of here, alright? Round one. Darkness two. We start where we left off last time, in the empty pit chamber. Innes casts a spell, corpse animation. She rolls a spell check, 15, against a DC of 11. That's a success. The corpse of the unfortunate adventurer staggers to its feet and stands staring at me with cold, dead eyes its jaw hangs open stupidly. Come, minion, I command. We have work to do. We take our leave of the circular pit chamber, trudging down seemingly endless stinking sewer tunnels in search of the kidnapped taxidermist. I will not forget this slight. Rest assured. Round two darkness d6? 3. I roll for a random encounter. There is none. I roll for my dungeon location and get a unique location, one danger, two discoveries, and find that this is a pumping station. The first danger is a trap. A roll on the shadow dark trap table reveals this is a cursed statue with pressure plate, with a dc of 12 to avoid, at the risk of 3d10 damage. My first discovery is a feature. There's been a cave-in, a collapse or an obstacle. And a discovery too, another feature. A well, a pool or a fountain. We trudge down tunnels, running with effluent, following the poorly scrawled map by the flickering light of our torch, It leads us to an arched chamber dominated by a massive central pumping station. Pipes branch off the rusted metal machine, which shudders and chugs like a thing possessed. At some point, a portion of the roof has collapsed, leaving large dents in the thing and burying half the pipes under rubble. The steady fountain of steaming water sprays from a ruptured pipe surrounding the construction. And, of course, we need to traverse this obstacle in order to reach our destination. LeBran looks concerned. Do you think we should head back? This thing looks like it could blow any minute. I always knew the spiked-toothed poltroon was a yellow-backed coward beneath all of his bluster. <laughs> our path lies this way, Lebrun. I sneer. Put some steel in your spine and find us a path. Lebrun makes an intelligence roll, thus a DC of 12, and gets a 19. I watch as Lebrun gingerly makes his way over the rubble, as I had anticipated, but Hulking Clod does so without incident. There I admonish him, as I lead my undead minion over the rock pile. Was that really so difficult? Innis makes an intelligence check versus DC 12 and rolls a 5. Oh dear, best to spend a luck token to re-roll. A 10. That is a fail. Innis takes 16 points of damage. Wow, the sewer of lost souls is really living up to its name. Another victim claimed, and this time after only two rounds. Still. It couldn't have happened to a nastier bastard. Goodbye, Innes. I doubt you will be much missed. I ask the oracle, was Innes holding the torch? Yes. Round three. I roll for a random encounter and get a yes. Deep tunnels, a strangler stalks the PCs and ambushes from the rear. There's a god-awful explosion and I have a split-second image of that smug bitch and being torn to bloody pieces by flying shrapnel. When I come to, I'm flat on my back and everything is pitch black. A hysterical giggle escapes my lips. She saved me to bother a shanking of myself. I ask the Oracle, is Lebrun able to light a torch? And with even odds, no, he isn't. He then gets a wisdom check to perceive the Strangler... With disadvantage, against a DC of 15. And even with that disadvantage, he rolled a 17, a success. I'm trying to find my tinderbox to get a torture lit when I freeze. I just heard the unmistakable sound of a footstep on the rubble-strewn floor. My guts clench in fear, even as part of me exults in praise of the Willow Man. The nightmare drinker would approve of this combat will start without a surprise round, but Lebrun is still in deep trouble here. Round four. The Strangler is a grey-skinned gaunt creature with four ropey limbs tipped in sucker-lined claws. Lebrun wins initiative and attacks with disadvantage in the darkness with his longsword and gets a 19 as his longsword hits armor class 12. That's a hit for 8 hit points of damage. With that much damage, the Strangler has to make a morale check and gets a 12 against a DC of 15. The Strangler flees. I need not light when the will of man guides my hand. My blade is free of its scabbard before the creature in the dark can react. My patron lends my arm infernal strength. I swing wide and feel the satisfied impact up my arm as my sword bites deep into flesh and bone. The creature lets out an inhuman shriek of agony, and I hear the sound of its wet footsteps as it flees into the darkness. "'I'm not trapped down here with you!' I roar after it. "'You're trapped down here with me!' look at LeBron go. What a badass. Not only did he beat the odds and detect a super sneaky level 3 assassin, but he fought it off in the pitch darkness without taking a scratch. I'm impressed. Before we continue, a brief interlude. Between the last section of play and this, Kelsey has now dropped a fairly major revision to the solo dark draft rules. We have new rules for torches, a round-by-round crawling event check, some changes to how PCs function in combat, dungeon creation rules, and more. Again, remember that this is a playtest, so these rules can and probably will change between now and release as Kelsey experiments with them. I've also been pointed at some fantastic rules for making all combat roles player-facing. I'll be using those to make things a little bit more immersive for me. Basically, your armour class becomes a defence bonus by subtracting 10 from it, and your enemy's attack bonus becomes the target number for your defence roll by adding 12 to it. Thank you very much for that steer, Matt Slayton. As my sessions are intended as a playtest of the Solo Dark rules, I will be ditching my third-party supplements as much as I can, and using the new Solo Dark material instead first order of business is to switch to Solo Dark's dungeon generation rules. These use the concept of nodes to build out sections of the dungeon in advance. I've decided this dungeon is fairly small with only three nodes. But I'm only going to prep the node that I'm currently in to save some revelations for later. I prefer not to know what might be lying in wait. Anyway, enough prep. Let's get to it. Round 5 We get to see a couple of these new rules in action here. Firstly, light sources now have 1d4 light points when lit, which they can lose through gameplay effects. This is great. It means that there will be steady attrition of the light source, but the actual time that it runs out will be unpredictable. That's much more anxiety-inducing. I roll for LeBron's torch, and I get a 3. Next up, Crawling Events. At the start of each round, I roll a number of d20 determined by the danger level of the dungeon I'm in. I mentioned previously that this area of the Sewer of Lost Souls is risky, which means each round I'll be rolling 2d20 and consulting the Crawling Events table for each roll. For round 5, I get a 19 and a 7. Nothing but eerie suspense and annoying sense of foreboding. Not that LeBron is too fast. LeBron is a warlock who has forged a dark pact with the vile power of the Twisted Woods, the Willow Man, eater of nightmares. All this fear is just grist to the mill for him, nightmare fuel for his dread patron. Much as I despise, genius, I do kind of wish he hadn't blown himself up. In a place like this, is generally a good idea to have someone watching your back even if, in Eunice's case she was as near likely to put a knife in it as the rest of the things haunted in this pox ridden sewer best I find this kidnapped taxidermist wherever he's been hidden away and get the hell out of here whatever the reason Nibs wants him back it must be something pretty important given the coin he'll offer and important probably means dangerous yeah best die, get a wiggle on. For my dungeon room, I rolled a solo monster, and then rolled again to get a bit more detail about it. A clever spellcaster. Taking a look through the Shadow Dark book, and limiting myself to level 1 to 3 monsters, I came up with three options that I thought would fit the bill. Apprentice, a cloaked magician with a thin, freshly bound spellbook. Cultist, a cloaked, wild-eyed zealot chanting the guttural prayers to a dark god. Sounds a bit like LeBron. And a cobbled sorcerer, a scaly dog-lizard painted with colourful stripes and rattling a hefty leg bone strung with beads and feathers. One random roll later and I have my choice. I have come across an apprentice magician. Now, that feels like it may be a bit more like an NPC than a solo monster, but I think I'm going to follow the dice where they've led me. It seems more interesting that way. Next, I'm going to make a few rolls on the random encounter detail tables to find out a little bit more about who I've run into. I see them at distance, far. Activity, they're hunting. Their reaction is neutral observed if questioned. Their name is Squog, and they are a goblin. Now, Squog is still feeling a bit more like a potential NPC than an enemy to me, and so I'm going to ask the Oracle, is he willing to join forces with me? Given that his reaction is neutral, it feels like there might be even odds to that, and I roll a 16. Yes, he will. So that warrants the creation of a new PC to join LeBron in this alliance of convenience. And once again, Shadow Darklings makes creating Squawg a breeze. The Goblins harvest in a crop of luminous green mushrooms when I run into him. We both resist our immediate impulse to murder one another and decide that there's safety in numbers in a place like this. At least, there's safety for me. If anything nasty turns up, I'm betting I can run a lot faster than the shrimp. Round 6 I roll for crawling events, and I get a 9 and 12. All is silent, but a pervading sense of dread fills the sewer tunnels. Next, it's dungeon discovery, and this time I roll a major hazard, which turns out to be toxic gas or vapours. My first thought here is to play to the principle of attack the light, which I guess warrants an oracle question. Does this gas affect torches? Seems like even odds, and I roll a critical yes. This is highly toxic and highly flammable sewer gas. I am going to have to give my PCs a chance to recognise the danger here, given that sewer gas, hydrogen sulphide, smells pretty bad typically. I'll make a hard intelligence check to identify it before it explodes in my face, I think. Squog, oblivious, he gets an 8, but Lebrun gets an 18. Oh yes, the sewers are the perfect place for finding Bloomshroom. Just the right combination of moisture, darkness and effluent, you see. That little crop back there will keep me supplied for months. Well, will let the goblin prattle on scanning the darkness for danger. And it's a damn good thing I do. The smell alerts me just in time. Get back! There's a gas pocket up ahead. We walk into that with a lit torch and they'll be scraping us off the walls. Oh, goodness. Should we extinguish our torch, then? I'm not sure I fancy going through blind. Even if I did fancy stumbling about in the dark, waiting for something to eat me, it wouldn't do as much good. Breathing in sewer gas will kill you quicker than an Edmund's axe, but I have another idea. Here, take my torch while I light this other one. Now, stand well back. I toss the torch down the passage and I take cover. just in time, the gas erupts in a vast fireball that roars down the tunnel. Now, move it, short ass, before it builds back up. Round seven. Crawling events, 1 and 16, that means that my torch loses one light point, only two remaining. And dungeon discovery, we come across a minor hazard, dense rubble. I also think that that explosion warrants a random encounter check, given that the core rulebook states, the GM might also check for an encounter if the characters create a loud disturbance. Yes, they certainly did that, so I roll and get a 1, an encounter. As it stands, there are partial rules for building custom random encounter tables for your random dungeons in Solo Dark. The text states, when you encounter a new monster, decide or ask the oracle if it should be added to the dungeon's random encounter table. Decide if the monster should be common, uncommon, or rare, and place it on the corresponding position on the table. Well, that table doesn't exist yet, so in the absence of further detail, I'm just going to intuit a random encounter table based on what we have so far in the rules and what I've seen of random encounter tables in Shadow Dark generally. One to three a common monster. One D four last word thieves guild whereats four to six common monster. I'm going to leave that blank for now. Seven to eight. An uncommon monster, a grey ooze. Nine to ten, an uncommon monster, also we'll leave that one black. Eleven, a rare monster, a lone strangler, hidden in the shadows. And twelve, a rare monster, a roving otiug. I roll, and they get a strangler. Is this the same one that Legrun wounded earlier? does seem likely, and the Oracle agrees. That is good news. It means that this one has only got 6 hit points left. Do we spot it? As I mentioned earlier, I want to make all of my combat roles player-facing, but I'm also going to do that for all skill roles. The Strangler has a plus 2 dex modifier and advantage on dexterity checks for sneaking and hiding. To make that player-facing, I simply add 12 to their plus 2, for a Wisdom Check total target number of 14, and I'm going to apply disadvantage to the role. Squog, even with disadvantage, gets an 18, and Lebrun, only an 8. That means Lebrun is not going to act in the first round of combat, but the other two will. Initiative. The new solo dark encounter rules state that heroes go first unless surprised, so Squog will act. Solo Duck also states that if there are less than 3 PCs, the PCs get 2 actions a turn instead of 1. Let's see what Squog is made of. Spell. 2 magic missiles. Making my spell rolls with advantage because Squog has a wizard talent. Both spells succeed, dealing a total of 5 hit points damage. That means the Strangler has only got 1 hit point left, which in turn warrants a morale check which the Strangler fails. The tunnels are dead in, the roof half caved in, and we've got no choice but to turn back. The Strangler comes out of nowhere, all teeth and ropey, cliggy arms exploding from the darkness. I damn near shit my pants and drop my torch in surprise, but the goblin surprises me even more. Quicker than bad news, he lets off two bolts of bright red magical force that catch the thing full in the chest, knocking it back a good ten feet. It lets out a shriek of pain and frustration, and turns and vanishes into the darkness once more. I look the goblet up and down. Well, more down than up, if I'm honest. Not bad, short us. Not bad at all. Round Eight a pair of rolls on the crawling events table gives me a 19 and 15. There's a sudden scuttling sound, just beyond the range of torchlight. Then nothing. Next, well, why don't we hear what happens next, directly from our PCs. We hear the little fucks long before we see them. We'll be hard-pressed not to while we're all their yelling and screaming. You understand what they're saying, I whispered a Squawg. He nods with a look of distaste. I'm afraid so. They're speaking goblin, I'm ashamed to say, and most uncouth lot they seem to be. Lots of threats, lots of insults, and not a lot of sense. Though from the racial slurs, it sounds as though they have a human in there with them who's the target of all that shouting. We creep closer, masking the light of our torch, and peer into a large domed room with a fetid pool of algae-crusted waste at its centre. On the far side, a ragged group of filth-smeared goblins are gathered around a crude cage suspended from the chamber ceiling, prodding at it with makeshift spears and yelling, fit to burst. Seated on a large mound of garbage, a fat, heavily muscled goblin with a beat-up Iron Crown watches proceedings, a scowl on his face. At length, he stands and strides towards the cage and the other goblins fall silent backing away as their leader approaches. You tell! He snarls in heavily extended common. You tell boss you have your big secret or boss you stick up your ass! The occupant of the cage who has up till now been slumped in a heap grips the bars and pulls himself up. His face is a mess caked in blood and grime with tracks of tears visible even from here. Please! He wails I'm just a taxidermist. I stuff dead bodies for the living. What makes you think I know any secrets? Bingo, I whisper. Stilton Carvolo. This was a pleasant surprise. I made a dungeon discovery roll and got NPC captive. But the obvious question to ask the Oracle here was, is this Stilton Carvolo? seemed likely to me, and the answer was yes. Next, I asked the Oracle, is he guarded? Which seemed likely, and the answer was a critical yes. To me, that meant probably a boss and minions. I asked the Oracle, is this boss Bianca Lamarck, the vampire leader of the last word? I gave that one even odds, and the answer was no. Even so, Given that credit, this had to be a boss of some sort, and so I rolled for some clarification on the boss monster table. And the answer was physically strongest. Scanning down the list of monsters in the Shadow Dark book, I saw this description for Goblin Boss. A scarred goblin with knotted muscles and a crown of iron. This was my guy. Next, I asked the Oracle, does Squog know them? I thought this was probably unlikely. He wanted help to get out of the sewers, after all, and he is actually a noble. And the oracle agreed. He didn't know these goblins at all. I asked the oracle, do the goblins reveal why they have kidnapped Stilton? I gave that one even odds and rolled a nine. No but. We'll see where that takes us. Both of my PCs made dexterity checks to hide and succeeded. And so here we are. The quest stands on the edge of a knife. Will Lebrun and Squawg free Stilton from the horde of goblins? Will we find out why they kidnapped him? And why Reinhold Nibs is so keen to get him back? And will my party manage to survive an entire episode without one, or even more of them, dying? Answers to these questions and more on the next Shadow Dark special edition of The Lone Adventurer.